personal scriptures to those that read and love the word of God. John chapter 7, starting at verse 37. And that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And we'll take verse 37 as our text. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And I want to preach on the title of a message, Looking for Life to be Good Again. Looking for life to be good again. Pastor Sir, would you please pray? Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for your leading. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for this service. Lord, this may be our last service on this side of eternity. We don't know. Lord, we want to worship you. We want to listen with open ears. We want to be refreshed and renewed. We pray that you would help this service to minister and guide and lead and give them up. be seated. The words of a sonnet that described the Statue of Liberty were put on a plaque in 1903, written by Emma Lazarus, whose words were inscribed and at first was placed on the inner wall of the pedestal at the Statue of Liberty. First, though, she wrote in 1883, and it was called the New Colossus. Part of the sonnet goes thus. She cries with silent lips, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Today that plaque is still there on display where the statue's pedestal is. An exact replica can also be found there inside the Statue of Liberty Museum. Emma Lazarus, who was an immigrant herself, she wanted to describe the Statue of Liberty as the mother of exiles, a symbol of immigration and freedom, the symbol of a fresh start, the symbol of opportunity. And so it still stands for that today. And even though we have the Statue of Liberty here in America, I want to tell you that there is a greater Colossus than just the Statue of Liberty. A Colossus is a, is a statue that is greater and bigger than life size. But also a Colossus is described as a person or thing of enormous size, of enormous importance, and enormous ability. Jesus is the greatest Colossus of all. Jesus is the greatest. He is the greatest and most important person that there ever has been and ever will be. In the who's who encyclopedia, Jesus should be the top and the greatest of them all. The one who had the greatest ability. The one who is the most important of all time and all history. But most of all, the one who is the most important in my own life. The one who has saved my soul, changed my life, healed my body, filled me with the Holy Ghost, called me and done so many things for me, I cannot tell 
Jesus stands head and shoulders above everybody else in this world. When we meet Jesus, we see him in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus met every difficulty with calmness upon his face. And as he walked around when other men were falling apart, Jesus came with his abundance. He came with the reserves straight from the throne room of God, knowing that he had faith in God and that his God, the Father, could do anything for him. When men were faced with no food, what happened? They brought to him a little bit of fish and some bread. And he blessed it, he blessed it, and he broke it. And then he began to feed the multitude of the 5,000 that were there. When sickness was brought to him, Jesus did not push it away. Jesus did not run away from it. But he knew that his father would not only have the power to take care of him, but the power to drive sickness far away from anyone that came there. And that sickness had to flee in the name of Jesus. That by faith, that when we come to him and we say, oh God, I need a healing that in the name of Jesus, it cannot stand before the Colossus of Jesus Christ. So we need to come to this one who made demons tremble at the sound of his name. We need to come to him to whom death could not even stand. That when Jesus came around a bunch of people who were standing around crying because his friend, his friend Lazarus had died and he had been dead four days in that tomb that when Jesus came and he said, Lazarus, come forth, even death had to let go. Even death knew who the real master was. We need to come to this one Jesus who's got all of the power in heaven and in earth and Jesus, even then, when he was there with his mock trial and his crucifixion, that trial that they did not give him that was not even fair, that when he was going through that and the people were going crazy as they hit him in the face and they struck him and they pulled out his beard and they beat his back, there was Jesus standing there silent just taking it all because he's the greatest and the most important of them all. Jesus might have been the one that was bound, but it was those men that were bound. It was men and those women that were bound in sin. Jesus was the free one. Pilate asked what is true and he had truth standing there right in front of his face, the truth that could have set him free from his own sin. That's the God that we serve, a God of reserve. So great he was, and I'm trying to get somewhere with this. So great he was that after that, he was crucified, taking that excruciating pain for you and I, that he was up there and said very little. And while he was there, an unbeliever, a Gentile, a Roman centurion that was not a Jew, that probably knew not one scripture, not anything in the Old Testament law. That man, when he saw Jesus hanging upon that cross, bleeding and naked and dying for our sin and taking that like no man had ever taken that before, it made even him cry out, truly this man was the Son of God. So we've got somebody we can lean on. We've got somebody we can depend on. Somebody that's not dead, but he is risen from the dead. And he stands there at the door and says, come unto me. His words are inscribed that he is the great liberator today. So where are we now? 
2022. Reading the book, and I don't, Pastor, he's, he's already gone through the book. It's called Resilience. Title of the, the, the book, when he even told me about it, it kind of struck me as something that I needed to read. So, the definition of the word resilient is able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. Also, able to recoil or spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. Where do you get this ability to be resilient? It sounds like something all of us need to do. That when there's some kind of difficulty, we're able to bounce back and to be what we were before that difficulty even struck us. We're able to stand up in the face of anything, no matter if it's hunger, no matter if it's poverty, no matter if somebody leaves us, whether they just walk away or they leave our lives through death, no matter what it is, that we're able to stand resilient and able to keep on going. Where do we get that? We look to the Word of God and we see that Jesus got it from His Father. The faith that He had was all built upon what he knew that his father could do. And he knew his father was the reservoir. He was the reserve. He was the source of all strength and the source of all power. And so he went about on that power, doing good things and helping people, healing people. He did all of that good in the power of his God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Where are you going to get the strength that you need? You're not going to get it. Just looking at Facebook. You're not going to get it looking at Instagram. You've got to go to the Word of God. You've got to go to Jesus. You've got to go to Him and get your faith and put your trust in Him. That's where you're going to get the reserves to keep on going. And so the exhortation today is build up your reserves. Be in church as much as you can. Get in the Word of God. Go out there and be a strong Christian. Invite people to come to the house of God so you can build up your reserves when the storm comes. You're able to make it through. One of the chapters of the book is, in Resilient Book, When Will Life Be Good Again? Or Waiting for Life to Be Good Again. The author talks about the fact he wrote this book in 2022. And so he talks about the fact that we just came out of a, basically a worldwide lockdown. And so we went through all of these things that, that kept us at home, that kept us having go to school online, and working from home, ordering food online, and have it being delivered. And he said we rallied through that. We said, okay, we're going to do whatever they, they tell us to do. We're going to wear the mask. We're going to go out here. We're going to do this and do that. We did all of those things to make sure that, hey, we followed the requirements. But many people were separated from others. There were people that were separated from their coworkers, separated from their church. What a tragedy, right? Because we were down there in Texas and and, you know, we, had a, we went down there, and we, we weren't starting the church, but we were kind of rebuilding after the, the man of God that was there, that he, he had to go somewhere else and preach in another place. So we got down there, and we were kind of rebuilding. We were starting to pick up steam, and, and things were starting to go good. And then I'm getting this, these messages here to say you can only have so many people. And then you can only have this. You can only have staff. You know, I try to make everybody staff at that. <laughs> My wife, she, I say, hey, brother, you're going to the, run the cell phone camera. Hey, sister, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to do that. And they say, hey, you know, we're not really staff, so we're going to go home. I said, oh, okay, all right. 
We're out there watching online. I said, okay. Spent months preaching to charity. She didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> and preaching to my wife and whoever else was watching. And so thank God that it was there at the time that it was there, all right? Thank God it was there. We were able to preach online and everything. But I was wondering, when will life be good again? When are they going to open it back up? When are we going to get to go to Popeye's again, all right? <laughs> it was right across the church, the street from the church. There, there was a Popeye's over there. And they, they, I don't think they even ever opened back up where we could sit down and eat in there, even after things started opening up before we left from Texas. So when will life be back to normal again? And so we kept pushing. When, when are we going to be able to come back to church again? When are the people going to be able to come back? And even then, some of them did not come back. There was the divisions and the different things about do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. Okay, well, we still rallied. We still kept on going. But what we did was some of us were starting to notice, hey, man, I need something that I'm just not getting by just saying at home. I need something else that I'm just not getting by sitting here and watching it on the screen. I got to get back to church. I I got to get back in the family of God. I got to get around somebody and give me a hug for goodness sake. Some of us got irritable. Some of us lost the ability to listen to God. We lost the ability to listen to other people. We got quick tempered. Why? Because we were, we were going through things and it was draining our reserve. Listening to family members and got no time to listen. I read something about Charles Swindoll. He, he went through something similar to that. He's cutting everybody off and giving short answers and everything. And his daughter walked up to him one time and said, Daddy, I have something to tell you, but I'll tell you real quick. And he said, you don't have to tell me anything real quick. Okay, well, then you need to slow down and listen. And that's when he knew he was having a problem. And so sometimes we're having a problem that if God is trying to talk to us, but we don't have time to listen to God, we got a problem. We got a problem. We don't have time for the word of God. We have a problem. We don't have time to pray. We have a problem. We don't have time for soul winning. We have a problem. It's time to build up the reserves again. It's time to get our strength back again. Where do we look to, as we said already? We go back to Jesus. We go back to the basics. We're looking for life to be good again, but are you looking for God to do something in your life? John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, this scene here, and when we read about John chapter 7, before the part that I read to you, these Jews... They're here, they're going through a, a religious ceremony. They have this feast, and it's one of the great feasts that lasts for several days. But towards the end of the feast, they, these priests, they come out in a, in a processional, and they have this, this water that they get from a certain place, and it's in these, these pots, and they, they pour out this water. So representing the fact that they went out from Egypt's bondage, and they were going through the desert going to Mount Sinai. Now, that was one of the greatest journeys of all time. Two million people were set free from slavery, from a king who cared little about them except what he could get from them. And so God had set them free through a mighty hand. God sent a deliverer. 
And so these people left this place. Now they were homeless, looking for a place to call their own. They left with very little food, looking for a place that was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. They were going out there, and it was a great journey. Why? Because it represented how it is that when you get saved, that you are in the bondage of Satan. You are in his bondage. You are a slave to sin. You are entrapped. You belong to him, and everything that he wants to do, he's just trying to get from you and trying to take from you, trying to ruin your life and trying to keep you under his thumb. But thank God for the deliverance deliverer that came your way. Thank God that somebody told you that there was Jesus, that Jesus could set you free, that Jesus came with all of his power and all of his might, and he brought down the devil, and he took him down, and he said, you can be set free. Come on with me and journey to the great place that I've got prepared for you. So we see the, this parallel of the Christian life, but however, and when you are walking on this journey, you are warned not to be looking back. You are warned not to be trying to make life like it was before you got set free. That's what these Jews were doing. Why did they go out there in the wilderness? You may wonder, why? Why did they go out there in the wilderness complaining, murmuring? Why would they always saying, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We could have had the, the leeks and the onions. Now, I don't, I'm not a big onion fan, so I'm not sure what it was about the leeks. Maybe the leeks were better than the onions. I don't know. Was it blooming onions from Applebee's? I don't know what it was that they were eating. <laughs> but they wanted to go back, even back to slavery, just to have life good again. The devil, as Pastor was saying this morning, the devil will, will try to slow you down and try to sit you down and try to have you going back and, and remembering how it was, remembering the good times. Let me tell you, when I was in sin, those times weren't good. Those times weren't good when I was trying to cover my tracks and cover up my lies from what I was saying to this person and that other person and made sure that I had it all covered up and the story straight. That wasn't good. That when I didn't have any peace in my soul, that when I didn't have anything to lean upon, when I didn't know if any everything was right between me and God, that was not good. That wasn't good living at all. The devil will try to paint it as a picture and say, oh, everything was so awesome. No, it was not. But that's what these Jews were doing. They were trying to get this picture of when life was good back then, when God had moved back then. And so here in John chapter 7, they had this ceremony. They had dumped out the water and they wanted for something to happen they were waiting for something to happen spiritually nothing happened in their life why because they needed to come to the one that had the water to give them the drink pouring the water out on the ground there in John chapter 7 didn't do any good what they needed was to have the water poured into them and so Jesus had stood up and he said if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink if your life is not what you wanted to be come unto to me. I've got something greater for you. I've got the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so he still calls to set us free. Jesus calls and he said, and that's that third thing, return unto me. We're supposed to be resilient, but when we've tapped all the reserves and we've gotten deep down as we could and there's nothing left and you wonder why did this happen in my life? God, when are you going to turn this thing around? That's when you got to go back. 
to Jesus. That's when you've got to get back to him, that you've got to come into this altar. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God. You've got to ask God to do something in your life again. That's why Jesus made the call, just like it was there at the Statue of Liberty. The words are inscribed in the word of God. And Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You only find that in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Nowhere else in the Word of God does it say that. There's no greater words than these, the call of Jesus. And this is a challenge to us. Not just a call for you to come and, and take a little nap, but it's a challenge to us. Why? Because there are other things out there in the world that will try to give you rest, as they so call it. There are other avenues that we can go. There's other, other places, other religions, other things we can put down our throats or put in our arms or we can smoke. There are other things that we can do, and I've tried some things, but there's been nothing greater than Jesus. Uh, so he said, why don't you come unto me? I'll give you rest. You tried everything else. Come and try the best. That's what Jesus wants for us to do. There is no other stream than what Jesus has for us. He said, come and drink of the water of life freely. Those of you that are C.S. Lewis fans, you know about the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, but there was, a, there was another book that he wrote called The Silver Chair. And when he, what he wrote in The Silver Chair was there was Aslan, 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 He's a lion. He represents Jesus. He's the, the king of, of, of Narnia. But Jill, which was a young girl, as they were coming up on this river, she was very thirsty. And she thought that she would die of thirst. So she comes up to this river, and she really wanted to drink. But as she was out there looking, she saw the lion. And she began to be afraid. And she didn't want to drink anymore. And so she began to look at the lion and ask, is it okay if I drink? And the lion said, go ahead. She said, are, are, are you going to uh, eat me <laughs> if I drink from this water? She said, do you eat girls? She said, I eat boys, I eat girls, and kingdoms and nations and kings and queens. She said, well, I'm too scared to drink. And he said this, there is no other stream. If you don't drink, you will die. And sometimes the thing, especially with God, the thing that we need the most is the thing that we're running away from. The thing that we don't want to get. We need the Holy Ghost. I exhort you to get the Holy Ghost. But we need to come. We need to pray. And that which we need the most, we're afraid to come and get. We don't know. We don't understand it all. We, we read it in the Word of God. We see other people have the blessing. But then we're thinking, well, you know, I don't know and I'm not sure. Come, because there's no other way to get power. There's no other way to build up your reserves. Jude said it this way, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you get that faith up. That's how you get built up. You need the Holy Ghost and you need to come and speak in other tongues. You need the love and the joy and the peace and all that God has for you wrapped up in the Savior and what he has to offer. I'm getting ready to close here. 
But Jesus stood up and he cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. We need to come back to the river of life. Resilience, return unto me, and I'll bring you to the river of life. And that's what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted you to come to the river of life. He wanted you to be overflowing with Holy Ghost power. He wanted you to know that you could come and you could drink from the river of life. He offers you a drink. There's no other water. There's no other stream that can do what Jesus is going to offer you through that water of life. Ruth Paxson said, if any man thirst, these are the conditions. If any man thirsts, this is simple. It's a simple thing. If you are thirsty, we can come to the instruments, sir, if, you, if you're coming up. If any man thirsts, this is simple. If you are thirsty, what do you do? You get something, you pick it up, you open your mouth, and you begin to drink. It's the same thing. If you're thirsty for the Holy Ghost, if you're thirsty for God, if you're thirsty for God to do something in your life, if you're thirsty for life to be good again, come down to this altar and get something to drink. Come down here and get the water that's never going to go bad, that's always clean, it's always pure, it's always good. Come and get it and drink to the Lord.